and then I had to actually be on the show, which was, which was <laughs> awful. Which is, to be honest, is probably the worst day of my life. I, I do genuinely think the worst day of my life was being on Britain's Got Talent. Hi there, thanks for checking out episode 29 of the Rostrovina Project. If you enjoyed this episode, then give it a share on social media, drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, and follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TRTPPod. Today's guest is a comedian, filmmaker, and musician whose hilarious web series, Tape Dancing, Jack's Eye, and Thou Shall Not TikTok, can be found on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Jack Latimer. Hey man, how's it going? Good. <laughs> you still got there. <laughs> how's it going? I was just wait, wait. Whilst I was waiting for you, I was wait. I was trying to make like a jingle, like for you. And I was thinking like, I was trying to think. I was thinking like Rastravina, like you know, like Maria. Yeah, yeah. You should have seen. I was thinking like Rastravina. Are you a streamer or something? You know, like, do you stream Ross Trevina? <laughs> Are you a streamer of Ross Trevina? Anyway, <laughs> you were taking so long, Ross. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> you had a good five so minutes I, to write I that song. Actually, I, I haven't actually tested my headphones with this, but it seems to be working okay. I can hear you okay. So I think I'm just going to do it through the iPad speakers. Yeah, you sound fine, man. Uh, yeah. Let's try that. Cool. Is your band still together? Eat the evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I uh, came to Finland um, about uh, over a year ago now, just just before lockdown. So we um, came here with our son just after like Brexit was going to be implemented, and we thought, oh, let's try and escape Brexit um, by by uh, emigrating to Finland. <laughs> I, that wasn't my plan. It was. It was. Uh, Camilla thought, "Hey, look, there's an eco village there." We were looking at eco villages, and and that was the. So we thought, "Let's go there." Um, so we came here, and then, and then, Brexit didn't turn out to be the problem that we were escaping. It was actually the lockdown of England and 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 <laughs> coronavirus. So, and it hasn't really affected us here. So we've been very lucky here. The last year. Like I've had to wear a mask once to the hospital and it's like, there's, it's not because we're in the middle of nowhere in Finland here and it's great. So, so yeah, we haven't been affected by it. Oh, nice. Yeah. You enjoying it out there? Yeah. Liking it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. We've got, we live with dry toilets. So we have, we, we have dry toilets here. Uh, so well, that's all I can report. <laughs> that's all I can report back. That's not a Finland thing. I don't want to like say that you know not all of Finland has dry toilets. But oh wait, is that a toilet where delete. you do a shit and then it just sticks to the bottom and then you do flush it afterwards? But it's there's no water in it. Is that how it works? There's no there's no flushing. It's more just like you shit onto a you, pile of shit. You have to piss on it. And then I tell you what, and then you, no, you don't piss on it. So you piss into a. It's divided up. So you piss into a separate bit, and then you shit into there. But what I would say, mad as it sounds. It smells way better than normal toilet, which is crazy. <laughs> that doesn't sound possible. <laughs> it doesn't sound possible. And if you told me this before I came, I'd be like, no, no, absolutely not, Ross. But uh, 
Not doing it. You've got to come and, and smell it to believe it, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. Yeah, I was, I was listening to your band's music just before the interview. And uh, I have to say, uh, yeah. Delusions of Grunger is a fucking masterpiece, man. The video oh, and thanks, the song. <laughs> How long did it take you to if make you... the video? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I like, uh, I love video editing. Um, and I've been like, up until recently, I've been out of work of video editing for like basically the last, the whole of the time that I've learned how to video edit. I haven't really, I've, I've made videos for bands. I've made videos for the Wonder Beers and, and Treehouse Fire and bands like that. And they've paid me a bit and it's it's been, it's been good making videos, but I haven't been, I haven't used my skills like professionally ever. I, I've only implemented my skills for my own stuff. So I've got a lot of content <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of stuff for Eat the Evidence, which is great because I'm really, I'm like all the videos for Eat the Evidence I love. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's loads of stuff from when you were younger as well, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. And even more too. I mean, I started making, there's a whole bunch of people that probably did the same, but I started making videos before YouTube was around. So there wasn't really a platform to put upload your videos. So the first time I like make, made videos, I made a video about my hometown, Northwood, and there wasn't a, uh, a YouTube to put it up on. So I made this like CD of like a, like a VCD a video CD that you could play. And I didn't know what to do with it. So when we turned like 17, 18, I left it in the toilets of pubs. In, <laughs> in, that's the only thing I could do. It was like, how do how does people discover me? <laughs> so I left this CD in the toilets of like the moons in Northwood and the reindeer, which isn't there anymore. Uh. Shout out the reindeer. <laughs> but I left it in the, in the toilets and then people would find it and they would say, oh, you're that guy that made this video. And then I was, I was, and then later on, then YouTube came out and I was a bit later, but I was also late to the scene with YouTube. So I was waiting for something like YouTube to be around and then it was created and then I didn't know about it. <laughs> so, so I was waiting for this platform and then it was created and then people, everyone was like uploading their shit. And, and then years later, I was like, oh, okay, I should be putting my stuff on YouTube. And then I started doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how long it was before I realised you could actually upload videos to YouTube because when I first saw it, it was like mainly music videos and then you would have random yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, it didn't occur to me for the longest time. Oh, shit, there's an upload button. <laughs> yeah, and also that it, 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 it always occurs like a platform is it's always too late hmm. to realise the potential of it for when you actually want to do it. It's always swamped with all this content. Um, which is what, what I think is so interesting about TikTok. Like TikTok is like this new platform that has exploded. And that's why I've, like, I wanted to try and get involved with TikTok and like try and make something out of it by doing, by doing this show that I did of trying to basically a failed TikToker have his last chance at a viral video of trying to do something on TikTok and it failing again. Um, but, but the, the thing that I like about TikTok and the thing that I think TikTok actually proves is that platforms do have a timeline and they will ultimately, they will ultimately die the death and they will become uncool. Like Facebook, I thought, I thought Facebook was going to be that. When Facebook was the thing, 
we all thought Facebook was going to be, that was going to be it forever, right? That was going to be the platform. But but now it's proved that, because when my mom and dad, everyone's mom, dad, aunt is on Facebook and they're all annoying and they're arguing and they're posting in a bad way. And like my dad tries to like private message me, but he writes it on my wall <laughs> or he like, right. Or like he'll say something personal in like a comment section on someone else's thing. <laughs> someone else's page, yeah. <laughs> It is sh- and, and apparently all these TikTokers aren't on Facebook. So that's got to happen to people that are on TikTok now too. So mm. TikTok eventually will become uncool, right? Yeah. And then there'll be a new platform that's like, oh, the TikTokers kids are on the new thing. When TikTokers become mums and dads, yeah. that's what I'm talking about, Ross. The TikTokers are so boomers. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, what... When the you set out to go viral on TikTok or hope to, what what number were you aiming for? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't at all. I was just. It was. It was more. The the point of that was more just for. It was more for Facebook content, really. It was more just for my Facebook page and for the YouTube page. It it wasn't like I try and get good on on TikTok because I knew that wasn't going to happen. It was more just like let's have an in joke. Try and get my subscribers. I've got like 500 subscribers on YouTube. It was like, let's have an in-joke towards me failing on this platform and let's move to that platform and see how I fail on that and you can join me with it. That's That was the idea. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, you had a video that went viral a little while ago um, and that was the basis for what you ended up doing on TikTok. Uh, when did you realise you could uh, do the plate and the whistle and the ukulele at the same time um i think it was it, i was living in my i lived i lived with my dad through my the m- most of my 20s i lived i lived with my dad um we met in brighton i was actually i think i was 22 at the time um and we met in brighton then and then after brighton i moved back with my dad and and i was living with my girlfriend with, with my dad and that's when like I started doing all this stupid shit. So I came down one one night and was like, hey, look at this. And I did this thing and I realized I could play the slide whistle at the same time as the ukulele. And then I realized I could spin a plate at the same time. It was just, it was just one of those things. I was like, oh, I can do this. And then it, it was like a good like two years after that, Camilla, my girlfriend was like, we should film that and put it on YouTube and see what happens. So we filmed it, put it on YouTube, and nothing happened. <laughs> and then, an- and literally another three to four years went by, and then this company in in Canada got in co- contact with me called Rumble, and they said we we're a viral company. We found your we've scouted your video. We think we could upload it to AOL and generate uh, an ad revenue from it, and you could get paid for it. So do you want to? Uh, submit your video to us we would own it but we would pay you a certain amount so i was just like this video is five years old four or five years old i don't give a shit anymore yes take it it, like this is hilarious great (laughs) go for it and then that as i said that within 24 hours it had uh like three hundred thousand views and they had they had made an account for me on rumble and i'd made like it was like 70 pounds or something. It wasn't much. But the fact that after 24 hours of just like this video of nothing, 
And then I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I should do. I should do stupid ukulele videos. And I and then I uploaded another one and said, hey, do you want this one? And the company was like, now nah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. I'd we've got yesterday. what we want. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we've now nah, AOL have paid us. We're done. It's cool. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I was I thought, oh, I thought I was gonna be the the ukulele slibers or dumbs plate spinning guy. And they were like, nah, nah, nah. The world doesn't want any more. <laughs> Just one video. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, that's it then. That's so funny. Yeah, I do I have a memory of you going out busking actually in Brighton. Uh, doing that it, maybe it was one of the times you were visiting and you just i can't remember how much you made but i was really surprised <laughs> people were loving yeah, it yeah 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 I, I, the busking in brighton was great because people appreciated stuff in brighton I, I haven't been to brighton in years but back then if you if you busk in brighton people actually stop and watch they give a shit which is great it's such a good town we i would I did it with my old band, but even on my own, I just rock up and you, you just find like a, a shop that was closed or, you know, boarded up, whatever. And then you could just stay there because no one could tell you to move on and you'd stay there and you'd, I'd spin my plate, do my thing. And all of a sudden there'd be like a, a little crowd and they'd be filming. And, and I remember, I remember there was one like dad. I remember there was one kid going, Oh, look at this. Is, is it, how, how is he doing that? And the dad was like, yeah, it's, this is how he's doing it. It's really intelligent, actually. Like, it's like, like dad explaining this kid. And it's like, just shut up and let your kid watch me. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, dad. Because your kid wants to watch me. And the dad's like going, this is why this is amazing. It's like, no. <laughs> That's so funny. Did, yeah, I mean, is that what you ended up doing on Britain's Got Talent? Yeah, yeah. So that that so so then then so I okay. So I did the video on YouTube, and then I did the video on Rumble, and the Rumble went viral on AOL. And then after that, then there was another. I, I mean, I, I think it was another three year gap. And then I got an email from Britain's Got Talent, which is I thought was a prank email at first. <laughs> And I was checking the email address and I was like, okay, I've got to call these people. I was like, can I have a number? Called them. And it was a researcher on Britain's Got Talent. And they said, we found your video um, of you playing this uh, ukulele slide whistle and spinning play. We want you to audition for the show. And and it, something in your head goes, I knew the show was fake. You know, you, you just go like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew there was researchers looking for scrolling through YouTube to find these people. And I'm one of these people, right? I'm one of these people that they found. Like, okay, okay. And I was like, I was so like, at the time, right now I would be like, yeah, let's do it. Cause I don't care now. But at the time I was like, they don't deserve me. Right, How, what can I get out of them? Right, so I was like, and at the time, off my head, I just went, okay, I, I will do it, but I will only do it if I can do it in drag. And they said, they said, no. At first they were like, no, we want you as you. We want we want you, Jack Latimer, in the YouTube profile. We want that. And I was like, no. Okay, well, look, that's I don't want to do it as me. And I didn't want to do it as me at the time. I thought that's going to be, like, humiliating, embarrassing. I've got to get something out of this for me, I thought. 
So I said, no, they said, okay, well, that's it then. And then two weeks later, they called me back and said, okay, you can do it in drag. So I was like, okay, I'll do it in drag. Then I had to create a character. And that's when I came up with this um, character, Tipsy Lenore, which is basically just like this, this um, psytrance raver drag person. Um, and at first, like I was going out to clubs as Tipsy Lenore because I, I wanted to like get in character. So I went to a couple of clubs um, and went to a couple of clubs where they where they take those overexposed photos with everyone. So I was like trying to get the guys in and be like, hey. So I was I was getting in character, and then and then I had to actually be on the show, which was, which was <laughs> awful. Which is, to be honest, is probably the worst day of my life. I I do genuinely think the worst day of my life was being on Britain's Got Talent because I they they asked me to turn up at, at 8.30 in the morning, which I'm not saying is early, but I didn't get on stage until 11.30 at night. So I got to the, the We Will Rock You Theatre at um, Tot- Tottenham Court Road <laughs> at 8.30 in the morning. And then I couldn't eat at all. I was like sick with fear, so I didn't eat the whole day. And and the girl, I, the girl that came with me, like my friend that came with me, she she was great. But at some point, you're just going to be like, I can't be asked anymore. I don't give a shit. Like I, I can't support you with this. Like she she was great. She was great. But then she was just like, Oh, can we just go? She can we just going to happen in the morning. Like, yes, yes. <laughs> but we've looked. We've got past this whole point. And then it got to the point where I, they put me on last on the stage. And I do have this theory in my own head that they knew that I was there to take the piss. They knew that I was taking the piss because obviously the researcher had talked to me. They've seen me before. So they would have had this feedback to the producer that maybe I was taking the piss out of the show. Anyway, so it comes to 1130 at night. I'm sick with fear. Ant and Deck are in the wings with me <laughs> and they're saying, they're, they're talking to me, they're like, oh, they're tipsy, you know, all this fucking Geordie shit. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm literally like, it's like a, it's like the worst acid trip that anyone's ever had. I'm just like in drag. My mate, I've had like, I've had fake, fake eyelashes and makeup on for, I don't know how many hours by this point. Did it feel like it a nightmare? Like an it felt like an eternity. So, but I, I remember had, having this thing where I turned and I saw in the corner of my eye this like classic exit side exit sign from like backstage and it was this exit and I could just like break through the doors inside the back streets of London and run in drag like <laughs> run away from it and I was like no I've got to do this I've got to face my fears and I walked on stage and I performed the trick I got the the first the, the, the thing is with doing the the plate spinning ukulele slide whistle trick is the only hard bit for me is getting the plate to stay up if I can get the plate to stay up and it's there and then I can do it like that it's great. So I spin the plate, put it in the ukulele, play the slide whistle whilst doing it, and I played "I Want You Back" by Jackson Five. Straight away, um, Alicia Dixon and and David Williams, they were all like eh, eh. Simon <laughs> Cowell. Eh. Like literally four buzzes came. Who's the other? Who's the other twat that's on it? Amanda Holden. Twat, right? So the four twats, right? I really have it in for them at this point. They went eh, 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 as in as if on cue, right? 
on cue, they knew. <laughs> they knew, like, yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. And I carried on going. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry on going. Then I finished my song. I want you back to... And I catch the plate on my head. Anyway, the crowd go wild. They stand up, they clap. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. Genuinely, like, this is a crowd of 2,000 people at the Dominion Theatre. Stand up, love it. But then then it then becomes like the barrage of like interrogation. So then you sit down and you forget that Britain's Got Talent is not a live show. They can say whatever they want to you whilst you're on stage and they know that it's not going to be on TV. So Simon Cowell was grilling me on my real name. He didn't want to hear that it was Tipsy Lenore, which you would think is is a little bit strange. On some on another drag character, on another on characters, you wouldn't necessarily grill someone on that, right? So he would grill. He grilled me on that. Anyway, I was, I, I had to like sort of like get off stage and sort of like this. Oh shit, that was fucked up. Um, but yeah, so I got four buzzes and was rejected. And the worst part of it was is that before I genuinely thought that maybe I'd get them. That was that was it for me. I thought that maybe, maybe just maybe I'd get them. So it was kind of a shock when I didn't get even one of them <laughs> that's crazy yeah you thought you were yeah. going to turn them around i thought that i'd turn i thought that i'd like i thought that at least they go oh, okay i this okay this this guy's this guy might have problems but at least he can spin a play and play <laughs> ukulele slide whistle at the same time and they saw that and they still they still rejected me oh fucking hell that's crazy, isn't it? Brutal. Yeah, uh, you've had a, a lot of experience on TV. Uh, what, like, was that more nerve wracking than the other stuff you've done? Uh, that the yeah, I mean the the my entrance to TV was was uh, record breakers. Mm. I was I was the co presenter on record breakers, but that was when I was eleven. How did that happen, by the way? <laughs> So I was I I so my mum's friend was the vision mixer on Live and Kicking, which if um I'm you know if you don't know Live and Kicking then you didn't grow up in the nineties obviously Live and Kicking was the show for me it was like Zoe Ball and Jamie Thigston were the presenters but before then I think it was I can't even remember the it was like um ah oh man. I can't remember the presenters from them. They've lost my mind now, but I, I did know them before. Anyway, I I went I went on the show a bunch of times, and I asked questions to the to the Spice Girls to 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 a whole bunch of people. But my question to Greg Rosetsky, I can't even remember what the question was, but I asked the question to Greg Rosetsky, Canadian slash British tennis player, and apparently the I was guy, his feared opponents. You know, Huh? Was it fear? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I say like something about fearing their opponents. I I, I put it on tape dancing. Mm. Um, but anyway, anyway, I, I asked this question, and my my mum got this call from someone saying uh, we liked how Jack Jack responded to the questions. But if you actually watch the footage, it's like how are they even enjoying that at all? Like I'm just like that. <laughs> right. Just like you're listening, yeah. Thanks. I'm literally like, 
What? Oh, Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did they even think that? Anyway. Anyway, so 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 um so I got so I got this job from record breakers and the first trial was come and meet the tallest man right? <laughs> so i had to come and meet the tallest man and i'm an 11 year old kid who is already like the shortest in the class so that's the gag that they're going for is like uh-huh. okay well let's get a really short kid and let's put him next to the tallest man in britain this would not happen today right but they not only that but they dressed me in a lab coat that was way oversized so i wore a lab coat so i was like a scientist but a midget scientist, right? A small, like a little person scientist, right? This tiny little scientist. And they put me next to the tallest man, a giant. And not only that, they put me on a stepladder. So that was the first, that was my audition. Stick, stick an 11 year old kid on a stepladder next to the tallest man in, in Britain. And I, I can't even remember what I asked him, but I asked him just generic questions like, oh, how does it feel to be so tall? what's the weather like up there all that and they gave me the job <laughs> and then after that i i went on to meet britain's biggest horse uh the longest underwater kiss all sorts of stuff yeah with linford christie because so it you was just Linford's went around like see looking at records basically yeah so it wasn't a studio the cool thing about it was that it wasn't like a a studio based show. It was location based. So we did like a, a shoot where it was um a mini car and it and I don't know what the maneuver's called, but they have to do like a a slide into a parking space. So there's like two cars here. Like a donut. And then Yeah, not a donut. Mm. It's like a half donut. But it's like going one way and then it slides and it skids into um, a parallel park. Hmm. Yeah. So, and we did that at Silverstone. So it was all, it was like, the thing is, the records weren't even that crazy. They weren't even that great to watch. The show was a massive flop. Was it how, was this a the whole sh- series then? Or was it like a one yeah, episode? Yeah, so okay. 10 episodes. The, the, the highlight for me was being in a, a helicopter with Linford Christie, because not many people can say that. No, that's pretty cool, man. <laughs> I mean, even being in a helicopter, the, the high point from that was being in a helicopter, not even <laughs> Linford Christie at that point. For me, it was like, I'm in a helicopter. Everyone's like, but there's Linford Christie there. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. I'm in a helicopter. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm not even sure if Linford Christie's a name that even goes around anymore. He was a runner, right? Yeah, yeah, so he was an Olympic gold medalist, 100 metres. He was the fastest man on earth um, in, like, early 90s. And he was kind of like the, the Usain Bolt of his day, like that sort of level. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's um, he's still doing good things. He's like, um, yeah, he's doing a lot of good charity stuff, I think. I don't want to speak for him. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. <laughs> Do you think if you like yeah. bumped into him, know, he would remember you? I don't know you? him now. That might surprise you. We're not hanging out. <laughs> Do you think he would recognise you if he saw you now? You know what? I put a photo. So I saw him at Notting Hill Carnival, and we might have both been on some sort of substance. <laughs> I don't know. because I know I was, and I know he was. 
I don't want to. I don't want to call him out on anything, but maybe it was just me. But it's Notting Hill Carnival, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's having a good time. <laughs> you might even just be getting high on the fumes. <laughs> well, maybe that's his excuse. Uh, that's... <laughs> I'll use that in the future. So, wait, you talked to him, did you? Yeah. So I went up to him. Um, actually, I didn't go up to him. One of my friends was like, oh, look, there's Linford Christie. And we were walking along with him for a while in the parade. And we're like, oh, man. It's like, Jack, you got to go up to him. I was like, I was like praying. And I was like, oh, I really want to, but it's Linford. I can't do this to him. Like, he's with his mates and stuff. It's, it'd be weird. And then they're like, no, you've got to do it. And I was like, I went up to him. And I just like, I went, do you, do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? And he had this like weird moment. He went, Helicopter. Jack! Oh, yeah. Ah! Remember me? I was like, and all my mates were like, whoa! They like went mad. They absolutely went mad. They were like, whoa! And his mates were like, who the fuck is this kid? (laughs) Jack. (laughs) How do you know? His mates were like, why do you know him? He's annoying. Can can (laughs) Can we move on? Can we move on from this? Like, who is this kid? Anyway, so I was like, oh, I was like, oh, can we get a photo? So I got a photo with him. And and then I said, oh, how do you feel about that second series that the BBC never promised us, you, you, you bastard? And he was like, yeah, let's do the second series. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. And then we moved on. And yeah, I've never seen him since, but, you know, I wish him well. Oh, that's such a cool story, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, it was cool. I mean, the best thing about Record Breakers, he, gave, he was such a nice guy. He gave, my mum was chaperone on the show. And we did so many weird days. Like we went to like, oh, we did, we did like the most Baranis on a trampoline, which is like a, a flip. It's like a half flip, but you flip in the middle of the half flip. So it's like a back flip and a front flip, but you turn at the same time. And it was this kid that could do the most Baranis in a row. So he was like, boing, 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 boing. It was awkward to watch. Cause it was like, how is this kid not like, how is his brain not scrambled? Yeah by this point <laughs> this kid is flipping so fast and it went on for so an, an awkwardly long time where it was like this kid's going boing 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 we did that at eton school so many weird records so yeah i'd love to i'd love to chat to linford at some point and go do, do you remember how weird that was because i don't even know if he remembers who knows <laughs> probably oh. out of his mind yeah <laughs> yeah what other tv stuff did you do as a child um so my career as a child actor spanned from doing sort of qvc stuff of advertising stuff on qvc like um sports products and then i did record breakers i did a couple of like weird adverts and then i got this show called uh gimme six which was a show which this is this is the 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 shit thing about the show was that it was aired in 76 different no 78 different countries but not England ah. so at that time i was doing my gcse's and all i wanted to do was brag to my friends and and show to the show to these assholes at my private school that hey look what i'm doing i'm an actor in, in a in a show and i got this part and they're like oh by the way it's not going to be aired in england it's like oh for fuck's sake and at that time there's no in- internet right so there's no proof 
absolutely no proof that they I'm even lying. doing anything. <laughs> I'm just taking time off school. For all they know, it's, it's like taking time off school on holiday and they're like, okay, yeah, sure. You're on a TV show. What, in what country? Cyprus? Okay. So this show, this show, this is the crazy thing about this show is that there were six of us on the show and it was called Gimme Six and the whole, it was filmed in Harringay in London and the whole premise of it was that I would save this uh, theatre from being demolished. And it was like an early sort of, um, uh, it was an early sort of like take on like um, uh, of, 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 of buildings being like taken over and then being like uh, privatised and stuff like that, right? So, so, but the crazy thing is, is that now is that one of the guys that was on the show is Reggae Jean Page, Right, so Reggae Jean Page, who is billed to be the next James Bond. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, no, I don't know. But I know you don't James know who I'm Bond. <laughs> well, hopefully the listeners will. Reggae Jean Page, he was oh God, can I just look something up? Because he was on a show. I don't even know what show it is it is. Um but maybe you will know if I send this the uh, the show. You send Reggae Jean page so so reggae gene page was on the show with me and this is the crazy thing he 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 was on bridgerton there you go bridgerton oh. so bridgerton is like the, the the biggest show apparently at the moment so this guy who i was acting with is now on bridgerton which to me is like, is like, okay. So for me, it's like, okay, at least one of us made it. That's how I feel. Cause there was six of us and we were all like pretty promising. We were like, okay, we've got this thing about us. Like I'm this kid that's like, kind of like doing this weird shit. He was like this other kid and there was these few girls on it. And there's a couple of Greek kids on it. Cause the whole thing was like this multicultural effort to save the theater from being demolished. Um, and now, yeah, reggae is reggae is going to be the next James Bond. So there you go. Oh wow, that's pretty cool though. Um, did did you ever used cool. to get recognised as a kid? Yeah, well, yes, but I didn't know it. So th- there was a lot of times where there was only a couple of times in the street where someone would like be like, "Oh, are you are you from are Record Breakers?" Are you but Linford Christie. It's not. It's, <laughs> Are you are you Linford Christie? Yeah. Are you sure you're not Linford Christie? <laughs> I'd be like, no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> it's whilst I was out running. I'd yeah. be like going for a job. I'd be like, are you? Oh my God, that must be Linford Christie. Yeah. You do the show anyway. <laughs> no, but the annoying thing about not being uh, recognised is that I found out later in life. So... I was one of these kids that, that that grew up and then didn't have much luck with the ladies until later on in life, right? But then found out that there was a whole bunch of girls at the school discos that were like, oh, that's, that's Jack Rasma. He was from Record Breakers. He's on the show. But they were too shy to talk to me. So I talked to, I have now, like when I was like maybe... 18 19 20 still years ago now but years after when i was on tv 
they were like, talked to me at the pub saying, oh, we really wanted to talk to you at the school disco. And we, we, we didn't know. We were so nervous. We didn't want to talk to you. Like, I was a fucking loser back then. I would have, like, most happily just opened up and been like, yeah, come on, come on, let's dance. Instead of dancing with my stupid mates. You know, oh, man, that sucks. School discos back then was like, we were in private school. So it was me and a bunch of guys <laughs> in private school, all boys, and then all girls. So school oh. discos for mixed schools, I can imagine, are more like, yeah, straight away, let's dance with a girl, let's dance with a boy, let's all, let's let's dance with each other, right? Let's 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 integrate. If you take an all boys school and an all girls school, and you try and put them in a disco, they stand the opposite side <laughs> of the hall for like most of the night. And then it comes to the 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 point where the sad ass DJ that's had to DJ goes okay, there's two more songs left. And then everyone's like, okay, maybe we should ask a girl to dance because there's not much time left. It's a slow one. And then, <laughs> yeah, there's a, the slow one. And then you just go like that and you hold each other's waist. Like far apart. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you hold each other's <laughs> waist. Yeah, super far apart. Like really far apart. Anyway, yeah. So no, the answer to that is I didn't have much luck with being recognised, and and when I did be rec- when I was recognised, it wasn't much fun. Oh really? Yeah, it wasn't much fun just because it was like, it was it was almost like, no one could really know who exactly I was. It was more like I know who you are. You kind of look like this person. It's like yeah, but who am I? And they're like, I don't know. Like, okay, that's not good enough for me. Uh, do you want my autograph no absolutely not i just thought i recognized you okay (laughs) no no one no one wanted my autograph i don't think i've signed an autograph uh that's so funny and so yeah your your family was quite uh ingrained in sort of making of films from extras didn't it was it your grandparents and mum were in star wars yeah, so yeah. this is this is this is a genuine claim to fame. Um, yeah, so Return of the Jedi, my grandparents and my mum were in Return of the Jedi. My grandparents, my granddad was a stormtrooper back then. Obviously, if you're a if you're a supporting artist, you play multiple parts. You, my granddad was Gizem in Jabba's palace. Mm. My nan was Yoxkit in Jabba's Palace. And then my granddad was also a stormtrooper. And my mum was a, a a rebel soldier on on the ship that, you know, the fish guy goes, it's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. He, my mum was on that ship and she blew up. So, so yeah, oh, God bless her. Blew up. But, but, yeah. So, uh, oh, well. um, these things happen oh well you know it's a good story for me but um but yeah no the the funny thing is is that that has now progressed into them my granddad's died since now he's died but my my grandmother um she's she and my mum have been sent to to autograph signing shows so they now have to go to these shows to sign autographs for people that really want their autograph. They're, they're like, they don't care that they're just extras in the background because ultimately they were there. They were part, 
I think what it is, is, and I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. But for the real diehard fans, it's like a religion, right? Mm. So their religion is like anyone that sort of had, anyone that was, that touched it, anyone that was there, anyone that was present in it, they want to meet and they just want to feel the presence of what that was. So my, my nan has been like signing wheelchairs for people that she doesn't, she doesn't even, like she doesn't remember the day that she even filmed, you know, I'll be honest with you. She doesn't even remember filming Star Wars because they, they were filming so many films. Like, and it's crazy. Their chip book, and I've looked through their chip book of like the dates that they were they were uh, filming stuff. It was like in within like a few months. There was like Superman three, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, it was like uh, Elephant Man and Star Wars. Like these these huge films, which is like which is like days in their chip book as their extras. It's it's kind of crazy. They probably crazy, did like a yeah. range of different films and they probably didn't know which ones were going to be big and which ones weren't at the time. Well, exactly, yeah. But not only that, but they were just like, well, we'll just do what we're told to do. And and my, my granddad also, he the, the golden rule on a film set is do not go up to the star and take a photo with them. Do not do it. That is like the golden rule. But he, my granddad was like, he's kind of like a hero of mine. And he did the opposite of that. He went up to everyone. Like it doesn't matter. He went up to. He's got photos with the Beatles. He's got photo with photos with um, Mel Gibson, Richard Pryor, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Charlton Heston. He's got everyone. Like his his book, and I've got the digitalized photos of these. It's like it's so impressive. It's so impressive because he's got the the biggest people that you can even think of from cinema history but that and and you can see in their eyes too there's so many photos where it's like their their eyes are like dead like you shouldn't be doing this <laughs> he's like got this big grin on his face like yeah look at me i've got the, i've got a photo with charlton heston and charlton heston's face is like you motherfucker <laughs> yeah did it um i saw they had to sign stuff in the film you made which is my my granddad's uh stormtrooper is that what it's called Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Do you did they ever have to sign stuff for any other films, or was it just Star Wars? Just Star Wars. Yeah. I think the coolest thing that I actually think the coolest one that my granddad did was the Elephant Man because mm. he's got he's in the front crowd that chases the Elephant Man down in the London Underground. I think it's Liverpool Street Station, but he chases him down and he's right at the front of the crowd. And there's this reverse shot of the crowd. And my granddad's like face is like really big in that shot, and that's like one of the the the, the best things for me is like seeing granddad like wow, and that's yeah. one of his first gigs too. Oh wow, that's so cool. Uh, do you think this uh, the reason that they're still popular among Star Wars fans is because of the merchandise? So like loads of like B characters will be actually ingrained in people's minds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe. I mean, there is there is the there is a figurine made of them mm. but i don't know if it's necessarily the merchandise or i tell you what it is i think it's actually just the fact that there's a lot of people that don't want to miss out it's like the fomo thing it's the fear of missing out an autograph that they might not have already got oh. it's like a pokemon thing gotta catch them all <laughs> and i think that once you've got one once you've got one autograph from someone from the background of a star wars film 
you want them all because you have to have everyone that was in the background. And I don't miss. I don't mean to like. <laughs> I don't mean to shit on what they're doing <laughs> because it's great for for my family because they they're having a ball. Mm. But it, it does seem like oh, once they've got that, they want it all. Like they some some posters that they come and they, it's like the it's a full poster of Return of the Jedi and it's like Luke Skywalker with the with the lightsaber in his hand and it's it's everything happening in the poster and then there's like a like a thousand signatures on it. And there's a signature of like the grip and the gaffer and the lighting man. There's like everyone that's on the show, on on the film, on the production. So I think that that's that's basically why why they're involved now is because it's just like a gotta catch them all. <laughs> oh, that's sick. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> onto your videos. I was I was like rewatching a bunch of your older videos earlier, and uh, yeah, they're very funny. Um. I struggle to. <laughs> to try and work out what what's because they're in the sort of style of like a vlog well i've struggled to work out like watch fully fiction and which is like sort of set up beforehand so like the one where you go into a charity shop and give them the friends uh videos and then run back yeah, out yeah, where, yeah, yeah. did they know about that before or not you know what it's so funny you said that because i was i reposted that not that long ago and i don't actually remember i don't i was trying to think like in my head i i do think i gave him the shout out like the the heads up mm. i do think i said like i'm going to come back in and be annoying by the mm. way i do think i did that because it it's not in my nature to just like i really i really don't like the the prank culture thing like i i like the whole the old school Jeremy Beadle prank stuff, great, right? I really like that when it first started, but there is like this weird prank culture now on on YouTube and 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 online that for me it's just it's just weird. It's like dodgy. I don't like the pranking thing. I I, I think I'm a little bit biased towards like jackass and things like that that I I love, mm. but. For me, for me, pranking someone and making someone feel uncomfortable has never been my way of like making making comedy. Mm. I'd rather like fool the audience into thinking that they were pranked. Mm. So I do think that back then I did say, um, "Oh, by the way, here's some friends' videos, but I'm going to come back in and and ask for them back." I mean, you're, the people listening to this probably don't even know what we're talking about. So I, so I, so I, so the whole premise of this was that I, I, that I made a video where I had a friend's video box set. At that point, it was like from series one to six. It was the, it was the London special wedding episode, and I had the videos and I took them into a charity shop, and I filmed it all. And I said, "Here's my, here's my friend's videos. I'm ready to give up on them now." And it was a pretty heartfelt moment because. That's a big moment for a Friends fan. But the backup was, is that they're on E4 at the time, mm. every day. So not not that big a deal. <laughs> so then I leave, so then I leave the shop. In the video, I leave the shop. I get back in the car and I'm like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done that. I go back in the shop and I demand for them back and I get them back. I go back home and finally I've still got them. But yeah, I do think I gave them the heads up because I... I I don't think I I had the balls in me to do that. 
Like mm. I, I had the balls in me to do. I, I liked, I liked um, being cheeky to people that deserved it. But people that work in charity shops don't deserve some weirdo freaking them out. You know. That leads on to my next one, actually. What? Uh, don't get done. What? Uh, yeah, I, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck real? those people. What's that? Yeah, yeah, fuck. Yeah, so don't get done is a good example of when I did actually be a little bit of an asshole because I got a, I got an email. This is digging back. I can't even remember much of this, but I got I got an email from this fake promotional company saying if you pay us, I think it was like one thousand two hundred pounds, we can put out a promo for you, and. At the time, at the time, I was like, a bro- I was like broke. I was like, so I was young. I was like 22, but I didn't have any money. I was living with my dad. And I was like, okay, the conundrum for me was like, I'm going to, I'm going to ask my dad for this money. Mm-hmm. And he, and it's not like he could afford me just like just spending money on, on this promotion thing. So I was like, I'm going to ask him. And then I thought, okay, maybe I should, maybe I should email one of the bands on their like roster thing maybe i should email them um and it was fearless vampires or something they've actually done quite well now but from a different reason from not these people <laughs> i want to make that clear <laughs> they were they were always good not the, these so i emailed them and they were like oh yeah don't go anywhere near that company they're a scam don't go near them because they just take your money and they'll, they'll pretend to put out this promo, but they don't do this promo. So I was like, okay, this is a good, this is a good reason to make a little video out of this. So he went up, it was in uh, Soho, the office. And my girlfriend, uh, uh, Camilla came in and she helped me film this thing. Oh, and they were like, so why are you filming it? And I'm like, camera, oh, well, I'm huh? filming it because this whole, because we're going to get famous together. Right. I did this thing. Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make it together. Right. So you should want me to film this whole process that we're doing together. So they were like, uh, uh, I was totally okay. wondering how you managed to get a cam- person with a camera in there. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just basically said to them, look, we're going to make famous. This, this, we're going to get, get famous. We're going to make it. So why wouldn't you want this documented? And they're like, uh, she didn't have anything to say because the girl that had to basically interview me was not the guy in control of the, all of this. And that was the problem. Um, and that was also very awkward for me because then I had to basically do this whole uh, audition and interview. I did the spinning plate thing. I did this dumb, dumb routine. And then I, and then she said, okay, Here's the contract. Can you sign it? Where's the money? And I got a bag of pennies that I'd saved up. And it was a big bag of pennies. And I slammed it on the desk. And the thing is, I do feel bad about this because she didn't deserve the the aggression that I gave to her. She didn't deserve it. I slammed the pennies on the desk because in my head, I'm like, I'd rehearse this. I was like, this is this fucking asshole. I'm going to slam the pennies. And then I'm looking at him like, okay, it's not the guy. It's this girl. Okay. And she's like, oh, this is very, okay, okay. I'm, uh, And then all of a sudden I'm being escorted out of the place. I had to go, but I don't, I don't regress it because ultimately I think, I think a lot of, I think actually my cousin um, with, with a similar sort of modeling scam uh, 
came uh, came across this. And I think a lot of people, everyone knows someone that's been scammed by some sort of entertainment, like licensing scam, you know? Whether it's like, oh, we'll do this for you, we'll, we'll do that. I think it's, I hope it's harder now. Um, I'm pretty then, sure my girlfriend at the time, I went to her with something that sounds exactly like that, actually. Yeah. I can't right, remember okay. yeah, about yeah, it, yeah. but yeah, you just reminded me when you said modeling scam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was rife at the time because at that time there was no, there was no checking up. Like nowadays you can, if there's an email scam, like if you get an email scam from, from paypal.com, whatever, and it's some weird email, you can just, you can type it in and someone's like, yeah, don't click on that email. But back then you could not, you couldn't search for it. So mm. people just fell for tricks right left and center. Um, but yeah, back then I was like, ah, uh, I was I was really like bummed out at the time. So I was like, I thought that I genuinely thought, and I was angry. That was the thing. I was oh, angry. That I was about. You were pissed off that they were trying to take you for a for a fool. Take me for a fool, but also that I was about to ask my dad for for a thousand. They nearly got a thousand pounds off my dad, and I was like, that is fucking. That's fucked up. Mm. Like fuck you. How dare you? Um, so yeah. Did you get any negative like, um, feedback for, what is it, meeting Darren? That might be one of my favourite videos of yours. Oh, no, man. No, no, no. I mean, I don't know if that many people have seen that. <laughs> but no, no, I, I, I love that. You know what? That that sort of video is like my favourite thing. That, that I would love to be doing that. So where did the idea because... for that come from? Uh, it came from just walking my dog because if you walk your if you have to walk your dog in in the suburbs of England in the suburbs of uh, London so I come from Northwood um, near Watford in London um, and it is uh, it's 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 a suburban place but there's a lot of like dogging going on so do you know what dogging is. It's when, uh, yeah. it, well, it's something to do with cars and sort of public sex. I'm not sure exactly. What yeah, the, so the dog, is. dogging is when um, someone will pretend to walk their dog, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> dogging will, well, dogging is someone who pretends to walk their dog. Sorry, my son came in the room oh. and then he looked at me and was like, ugh, no, <laughs> I'm leaving. Can't deal with this. I don't want to. I, I, I don't care about this anymore. He left. Oh, bless him. Dogging is when someone, I think the name comes from someone who's pretending to walk their dog and then they go and meet up for That's sex. That's an excuse to give to the wife. And, oh, it, and it, happens the to be, it happens to be homosexual sex, but I do think that it, ha- it, it also can be any type of sex. So dogging can be, oh, okay. So dogging can be, um, so, okay. So apparently I have to now, Jesse, so I've got my I've got my son now. Oh, bless. So, because we're in Eco Village, my my girlfriend's now going to milk a goat. <laughs> That's happening. So, That's so she's cool. going to go milk a goat. So I can't talk on a podcast. But yeah, back to dogging. <laughs> um, it's rife in the suburbs. The last time. I- the last time I walked my dog um, for my dad in the suburbs, I came across two guys uh, pleasuring each other. 
with uh well i'm not i'm not judging that's great but um but they were they weren't strayed too far off the path and that was my that was my issue with it is i feel i feel like if you're going to do that that's great i i'm 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 on board with it yeah but walk walk off the path a bit you know get off the beaten track <laughs> for use of a better phrase i agree if you're gonna do it public do yeah. it private <laughs> if you're gonna do it public Go go in the privacy yeah. of public grounds, <laughs> but yeah. So so that the whole the whole the whole vibe of that video was um, someone who thought that they were making friends with someone who just wanted to find a friend, but really they were finding a friend in someone who wanted more than just being a friend. Yeah. And they and they uh, yeah screwed up. Misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, yeah, uh, I've, I've I watched. I can't remember what it was now, but someone saw it was like a video or something, and it was just people ringing these numbers that they find on uh, for a good time. Ring this number on like toilet doors, and uh, that I don't think they found one person who actually put their number there for that. It was all just pranks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and these people have been tortured by the fact that someone's left their number on the top. <laughs> yeah. So how did tape dancing start? It began from just the pure love of weird footage that I could find that wasn't available to find online. So it was like a I wanted to create an archive and a library, like 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 um much like you've been framed or something like a dodgy show like that, like you've been framed or some weird archive show that was like, Oh, look, look what we've got to show you that no one else can show you. And, and I wanted to show videos that I'd found from, like I found like a belly dancing show from a weird Turkish shop that I'd found. And, and I'd found like a, a, a weird Jamaican film and, these films that I thought that no one else could see if they weren't on tape dancing. Um, and, and yeah, that was the premise of the show, but also it was a platform for me to be a weird presenter, but then also, <laughs> also the idea that I could be a different character every time yeah. I presented every, every, every episode I changed my look and it was like, Oh, this guy's a new guy. Um, and and best thing about that show and the best thing about that time was that I got a very small and when I say small it was so it was a micro it was a micro following it was a nano following but the nano following that was following me at the time and watching every show was really nice Mm. because it was like they were watching every show and they were commenting on the videos and they were loving it and then it was like I put one out every month whatever and it was great and and there's I do I do think I do think that if you're someone who wants to put something out, if you're a comedian or something that wants to do something, if you're an amateur uh, person who wants to who wants to uh, create content, I would massively just like encourage that everyone just put something out, but just set a deadline and say I'm going to do this every week. So thou shalt on TikTok, I did every week. And and tape dancing, I did every month. You have to do it. One, you have to do it, and you do it by clockwork. And it doesn't matter how many people watch it. 
for me, it was like, I'm going to put this out. And if one person watches it, I don't give a shit. The next episode is going to be ready to watch. And that was the main thing for me. And that's been the main thing for me ever since. Hey, thanks for listening and thank you to Jack for joining me. Check out his videos on the Jack Latimer YouTube channel and give him a follow on Facebook and TikTok forward slash Jack Latimer Films and on Instagram at Jack underscore Latimer underscore Films. And that's it. Bye. D-R-E-V-E-N-A.